0: Listen, we get it. It's been since August the 11th that we have released an episode of the Greatest Games podcast. So we took a little bit of a break, but we are back and better than ever with this week's episode with the great James Pugliotti, an assistant coach at Emerson High School in New Jersey. We had a little bit of a summer break. School is back in session here in South Carolina and in New Jersey, so you can expect to hear from Chris and I. Once a week here for the Greatest Games podcast. And again, if you haven't done it already, check out teachhoops.com slash 816 basketball for incredible coaching content from Steve Collins and our boy Billy Kegler. You know him, you love him. The Competitive Mindset Podcast with Billy Kegler is absolutely rolling. Check him out wherever you get your podcast and check him out on social media at Competitive Pod. Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kristen DeBlasio.
1: Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here as always on the Greatest Games Podcast. The chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game. As always, it can be either time as a head coach, an assistant coach, a college coach, a high school coach, or uh, just an assistant to one of the great guests we've had on this program.
0: Golly, yeah, one of the all-time great guests. And we've had a laundry list of great guests. And let's just go ahead and talk about the elephant in the room here, Chris de Blasio. We've taken a couple weeks off. So, uh, we, listeners, we, we apologize, but you're welcome. We are back and better than ever here. Uh, we're refreshed. We are ready for another school year, and we are ready to bring more great podcasts to you. Just like the one today, he is an assistant coach at Emerson High School for the great Two time guest of the Greatest Games podcast, John Ziemba. Joining us today, James Pugliotti. Welcome to the Greatest Games podcast.
2: Thank you, Coach. Thanks a lot for having me tonight.
1: James Pugliotti. Now, Brian, as much as he loves John Ziemba, James Pugliotti loves one thing more than that, and that's Bob Huggins. This, oh, this is true. Yeah, yes. he's a West Virginia guy all the way. You can't even talk to him without he's got a West Virginia shirt on. I mean, it's unbelievable.
0: <laughs> okay, tell so, so cool. us where, where, where in West Virginia are you? Are you are you from West Virginia? No, I'm from yeah, I'm
1: from, from New- old New Jersey. <laughs> <man>. <laughs>
2: I'm from uh, I'm from New Jersey. It was funny. Mm-hmm. We were talking about how people decide on colleges, and um, not me. But my brother, who's eight years older than me, went to West Virginia. He picked West Virginia out of a Playboy magazine because uh, it was the number one party school. And then my other brother went, and then I went. And then, well, I didn't start off there, but I transferred there. Spent um, three years there. But then after that, I was going back. Up until about three years ago, I was going back for every football game, season tickets and everything. Um, but a huge, huge Bob Huggins guy, basketball guy. Um, and I got a chance to meet him a couple times. And went down to their fantasy went down to their fantasy camp, <laughs> their fantasy camp tw- uh, twice. Uh, my coaching check actually paid for that twice. And then when I got married the second time, th- that uh, I realized I couldn't use that the funds that way anymore, or otherwise <laughs> I'd be looking for number three. So.
1: He has to Ryan large two good too, and he doesn't want to go for number yeah. three.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get it. I get it. So now with, with, with Coach Huggins, I, I got a chance to see him. I guess I can't remember what Final Four it was and one of those NABC clinics. And he said something that has stuck with me for many, many years now. He talked about the three man weave and why coaches do three man weave. And he was basically saying, why? Why are you doing a three-man week? You're when never doing that in a game, he says. Ex- exactly, yes. So I <laughs> love these – he just thought about this having a reason for everything that you're doing as a coach. So what, what were some of those things that you took away from him?
2: Uh, I love his um, – he calls it his run and sit um, uh, philosophy. And he tells this – he's really a really good uh, storyteller. Sometimes – it's funny. I've gone to coaching clinics where people actually get, like, annoyed because – and I think he does it on purpose sometimes to some coaches. Like he'll go very, very long, but not really talk a lot about basketball if you're not paying attention. Um, so he starts talking about this run and sit philosophy. And he, he said he, he was talking about how he had this team that wasn't that great, but he's got this dog and he's sitting there and he, he taught the dog, you know, he throws the stick, the dog runs and gets it and brings it back. And he figured if he could teach this dog to run and sit, uh, he could, he could coach these guys basketball and the run and sit philosophy was, if you don't listen and don't do what you're asked to do in practice, you're going to run. And if you don't do an ask or what you're asked in a game, you're going to sit. Um, and he actually went as far as it's actually become the treadmill mentality in Morgantown. I've been lucky enough to go to a couple of practices and they have treadmills on the side. Uh, cause he just, he said he got tired of fighting with guys cheating themselves or cheating the team on like sprints and stuff so if they mess up he just points to the treadmill puts it on 16 miles an hour and you go for a minute or till you fall off um but and it's funny because i I don't think they'd let me do that in high school (laughs) um but it's it's interesting because it sounds like very jokey or whatever but um there's there's um Javon Carter, who was one of his better players recently, like all of his tweets end with, you know, hashtag treadmillment. Like they really uh, – the thing I really loved about going and meeting them was the, the family atmosphere that he's kind of grown down there. And I got just lucky, as lucky as can someone can be, uh, one of their former players that played in the final four, Wellington Smith. I'm sitting in my office like I was still uh, – so I was the head coach at Fort Lee for, for three or four years. But before that, I was John Ziemba's assistant in Fort Lee as well. And I got a call down, and our lovely assistant uh, – our lovely secretary said, uh, James, there's a, there's a very tall, tall man here to see you. And I said, Okay that's odd that's a weird way to put it she actually described him a little bit more but I'm trying to keep this racially sensitive Um, she was using color skin and things and I go down and I'm like that's that's your Wellington Smith and he's looking at me long story short Wellington Smith played on the final four team um, in 2008 um, with Coach Huggins and um, then he went on what's that it
1: was that long ago
2: I think it was yeah 2008 2009 Wow, yeah. I would have
1: said like 14.
2: I'm sorry. No, it's not. It, you'd think, yeah, because I was still with with wife number one. Um, that's how I remember that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or I don't even think she was wife yet. I think she was still just girlfriend that moved from West Virginia. Anyway, now I'm going. Uh, okay, um, what should we call So he actually worked for a company called Game Changer, which was like uh, I don't even think they do basketball anymore, but it's like an uh, a digital scorebook, whatever. And I'm the tech guy, so I'm thinking the whole time that this someone put, put them up to put Wellington Smith up to this, because I said to him, I said, you're my Justin Bieber. I don't know how to explain this. Like you would do something good in a basketball game. And I text my brother, a picture of beef Wellington. Like that was like how into it we were. And we became really good friends and uh, to the point where he was supposed to be in my wedding. But as you could tell things on that side of my life are kind of oddballish are, are, uh, are, engagement party actually turned into our wedding we were like we're having all these people come to a party we're spending all this money let's just cross out wedding and put in, engagement put wedding so he couldn't make it because the change but he was like a, such a he is such a good dude and he's actually married to the women's coach's daughter but he got me out to west virginia and they treated me like i was like one of the guys and Coach Hahn, especially Coach Billy Hahn. Like I he actually called my AD when I was up for the basketball job and used a couple of choice words and said, like, well, what are you waiting on to hire this guy? You know, he's been doing what he's supposed to do. Um, but going down there, and I've seen other teams the way that they prepare and the way that they have like their little fantasy camps and they treat the guys like, you know like nerds like we are because we're at fantasy camp but coach huggins he's there he's slinging hot dogs at his lake house to us and like i don't know it's just cool it made you feel like you were buddies um so that was really neat but again it all goes back to they really 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 instill family which is as corny as it sounds uh something i try to do with with my players as as you know i've, I've coached kids seventh and eighth grade and i've been an assistant on um, a college team um and something i don't know you don't want to when you don't want to disappoint somebody it really makes uh makes for easier coaching like when kids don't want to disappoint you i find because they like you you know like even with teaching you know they say kids don't have to like you they have to respect you same thing with coaching i didn't know the difference when i was 14 like I didn't know the difference between liking and respecting someone when I was a teenager. Um, so getting that like I, I do remember though not wanting to let coaches down and not wanting to let people people down. And that's kind of what he what I learned from him. Uh and, and other things. Like he is uh and I like that he doesn't conform to the suits on sidelines.
1: <laughs> that's the one thing I don't like about him.
2: <laughs> I um, think he just got to the point where he was just so uncomfortable. <laughs>
1: the only thing I don't respect about him
2: well he did wear a bright yellow mustard suit uh he looked like a pimp um yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well uh just for listeners again uh coach Pugliotti has mentioned John Ziemba a couple times he was guest on episode number 38 and on episode number 117 or no excuse me uh Rex Walters was 117 118 but Brian numbered it wrong got that Brian
2: I, I I will get that corrected for
1: some reason 117s.
2: I okay. I was a really oh. cheesy assistant so like when coach Diembe won his 300th win I got him a jersey made that said 300 and got it framed and you know made a made a book uh, um, of quotes from other coaches just talking about him and stuff and I went on a job interview once for coaching and they said well, you know what would you co- what would you do differently than him and it kind of caught me off guard because because this was just kind of recently after the three i'm like not much i mean he's in the hall of fame up here he's got 300 wins i don't i don't know i i think i would just kind of keep going the way that he you know i think i was sitting on like five wins at the time so i was like you know i think i'll just do what he was doing i don't know why you would want me to change that
1: Well, I, and Brian John Zimba, I think I brought this up on his on one of his episodes. He he beat me out for the job at Emerson. I think they did a good <laughs> job of hiring him.
0: So. Well, I mean, it was. Let's be honest, it was a, a choice between two great coaches, and they they chose a great coach, but they of course missed out on a great coach and a great beard. But uh, yeah, John, Johnny Z, one of the great guys, and I know we've talked about having our coaches social back in June, I believe, of this past this summer. And uh, getting to meet some of our our former guests, and so being able to talk to the Johnny Z in the flesh was uh, a real treat for for the South Carolinian for sure.
1: And Brian James is also he mentioned his state in college coaching, which we forgot to mention. Uh, guest number uh, guest on episode number thirty six, Ramapo College head coach Chuck McBreen. James also worked for.
2: Yeah, I was there for for only a year, and it actually it it turned it went from being an assistant coach to being an assistant to the coach because I like it was fresh out of college and then I just got a teaching job, my teaching job, uh, like four or five months into it. So it was more like I shared a desk with him, which was interesting, (laughs) which was like a very interesting experience. But again, he reminds me a lot of coach Huggins in the sense that like, you're either one of his dudes or you're not. Yeah. And, like people will think that he he could come off like very brash, and you know, like he I I used to describe him as like a um a Tony Soprano kind of guy, mm-hmm. um and but like if you did worked hard for him, which I think I did, uh you know he would like run through a wall for you, like especially with his players, um and I think Huggins is kind of like that too, and and, and Coach Coach Ziemba, you know he he would there's a lot he would do for. Uh, I mean, most you're, you're supposed to run through a wall for your players, I think. But I think we've kind of lost sight of that maybe a little bit. And maybe it's, you know, maybe it's the type of players we get. Maybe it's the type of coaches we're becoming. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, coaching with Coach McBreen was interesting. And, and it, it gave me a lot of insight to give my players who think they're, you know, they're Division One athletes um, when when they – and I'm not saying that as a knock to players who think they're Division One athletes. I think – it's you, they don't get their eyes opened enough like the, one of the greatest things my coach did when i was in high school was he took us uh, our team out our high school team out to the, some big AAU tournament in rhode island and i was a sophomore And i remember looked at him looking at my buddy on the ride home being like dude we got to start studying because we are not gonna go to college and play basketball <laughs> like that's not but like when i would re- do recruiting i would send recruiting letters out for him and you know this was uh 2007 so there wasn't really there was Games weren't on. People weren't really on YouTube yet. Like there was none of that. I'd have this big book, and we'd flip to the end, kind of of the Division One prospects, and we wouldn't even look at Division Three. Like like that, we wouldn't even get that far. So I think it's something that kids kind of have to. They, and now, what 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 really I think hopefully opens our eyes is what's going on with the, that football team uh, Bishop Sycamore Bishop. Oh,
1: yeah, that fake football That's team. That fake Those football the, I don't team. Know if you saw that with yeah. ESPN. Did you see any of that, Brian, with IMG Academy? Uh, no, I didn't see
0: it. I heard about it from my Coca Cola delivery guy, Aaron Thompson. Right, <laughs> Aaron Thompson, this morning. So uh, tell me, tell me, catch me up because I, I, I haven't. Paid the team basically
1: like, duped ESPN and the. Nip- saying they were a legitimate football team. And they're one of these like fly-by-night charter schools, a lot like the basketball schools do, where they're like – it's like a P.O. box and the only kids in the school are on the basketball team.
2: And it gets even right. – it gets even crazier because I read an article uh, that was – they interviewed a player that that left like three years ago, and they said they lived in a hotel from Octo- from like August to whenever. But basically what it comes down to, if you're willing to give someone your money, they're going to take it. And <laughs> – when it comes to, you know, basketball and recruiting, anyone can get recruited. I showed Chris a screenshot. I sent. I, I, cre- I created an entirely fake person named Art Vandele, and he got an email back saying, we're still trying to reach you and your son about, you know, this recruiting opportunity. Like, it's a fake person. If a fake person can get recruited... Don't tell me like, oh, well, Jimmy Lipper, you know, my son, Jimmy Lipper, he's, di- he's division one. And, uh, you know, so-and-so from dot uh, hotshotrecruiting.com said, you know, you should play him more because he's going to go D one.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a wild world. Uh, we, we've talked about the bash uh, at length on the show, It's is of course, an event down here, high school event. And we've brought in a lot of teams Maybe these these, uh, these not, not qu- well. I don't want to say questionable schools, but there there was one in particular in Greenville. Uh, uh, Twenty-two Feet Academy was one that um, that we brought in that they, they were a, a quote unquote established in Europe, and they had this. Basic long story short, it was it was one of these one of these schools, and we had kids that were living in in very poor living conditions. Our listeners can Google Twenty-Two Feet Academy and look at some of the stories uh, that those kids were living in. That they were going to school and. Uh, but there was, there was a lot of stuff going on there, and it's, it's, a, it's a weird, wild world, as, uh, as, as they would say.
1: Yeah, well, the guy, I was reading an article, the guy that works for the company that ESPN hires now to produce these high school games <laughs> basically admitted he said it is absolutely my fault. I didn't vet the team as much as I should have, and I know you go through that process, Brian, being you know, heading up the bash for a lot of those years. You get teams reaching out to you, you have to vet those schools and make sure they're legitimate, like you said. Yeah, you know, this
2: team had played on friday and the game that was being shown on espn was on sunday it was like a two-day turnaround and none of these like the, the kid that i was reading about they didn't practice they just played games i mean it was more interesting to me that img academy is who they played didn't pick up on like i guess they were just like we're just so good we don't even need to look at a piece of tape on you like not even any <laughs>
1: clearly uh this podcast has gotten lots of different directions already brian
0: how about that yeah i, I love it yeah and i i, I tell you i want to go back personally this 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 idea of family um it's something that as we were talking pre-show we're a couple weeks into school down here and it's been a, a challenge here with COVID and, and things that we're dealing with but the thing that i've realized more now than ever and this is my 16th year at Ridgeview High School is just realizing that, yeah, it's a challenging world right now. But This is – what are we doing to help kids in the relationships? And, uh, and as you talked about, James, the, the family atmosphere. So I'd love to hear how you as a coach, as an assistant coach and a head coach – or uh, and I'm not – the word strategy is not the right word, but how do you go about creating this family atmosphere for your kids and those around the program?
2: um i think the first thing that i try to do is is make it kind of i guess the question is more how do i make it known that I'm, I'm there for them and things um but it's for me it was always being as an assistant making sure i was the had like my uh ear to what was going on in like the locker room you know when guys would they would know that they i was a guy to come to and you know they Maybe they didn't know this, but like when they were going to be saying that, why isn't coach playing me? They'd come to me and talk about that and have like this trust uh, kind of aspect of it. Um, and I think one of the things that, that I guess that helps that helped me the most was when they would like they would have this aha moment with me. Like I remember one time I had two kids, uh, their math teacher was coming to me. Now, now, usually, you know, math teacher comes to you. And you have to say, oh, Jimmy, you're not doing your math homework. You're not doing this. You got to do more, whatever. And I remember it was an AP or Calculus? It was a high-level math course. And, and the teacher brought the kid, the two players with me. I said, well, what's their average? And their average was an 89. And I'm like, okay, um, miss so-and-so. Uh, we're going to work hard. We're going to we're gonna get this better, et cetera. The teacher left. And I said, guys, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Um whatever it is that you're not doing that, you know, the teacher might be telling you, you have to just do a little bit more and I'm not going to sit you because you have a 90 average, like that's not going to happen. But you know, we have to, we have to make sure that, you know, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and you're not, you know, you're going to have my spotlight on you. Um, That was something I learned too. I, I had a math teacher that was really hard on me to the point where I like confronted him about it. And that's when I had this aha moment that this, this, he was a coach, but he wasn't my basketball coach, was looking out for me. He said, James, if you have any interest in playing at the next level, you have to realize that everything you do is going to be magnetized, uh, magnified, magnetized, magnified because you're an athlete, even in just high school. And it was something that really stuck with me. And it's 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 something I think is important. It's little things, too. Like I noticed when I was coaching AAU um, out in Summit that each kid – and some, it's a well-to-do kind of area in New Jersey. And each kid was going up to the coaches and shaking each coach's hand after practice. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Like, and I went to the coach, said, so why do you do that? And he said, because it lets them know that when, when pre- like, we can go at each other as hard as we want during practice. Um, but when we leave, it's over. Like, we're back to being, you know, but not, maybe not buddies, like, because I don't know, it depends on what kind of relationship you have with players but you know whatever was said whatever happened whatever war you fought in on the, on the on the basketball court when you leave you know we're back to we're back fresh um and again little things pasta dinners was always big i always had team over for our house um for pasta dinners for bonding um showing them you something that that, that coach uh mcbreen did that would kind of make them see like okay he he's kind of one of us is when they go into the gym to weightlift and he'd put as much weight as the heavy as the strongest guy on, on the Rambo squad and they'd see you'd see all these guys around Chucky while he's lifting the weight and it's just like i feel like making being that that family it's it's not as um it's not as difficult it's just being yourself that's the biggest number one thing like kids can tell when you're like trying to act at like a coach um, and they realize i'm corny as all hell that i'm like I am if you've ever seen Ted Lasso, I'm Ted Lasso reincarnated, even though he's not dead. So that's the wrong word. But I have John Wooden quotes everywhere. You know, they're getting blasts from me on the remind app once a day. Like, you know, follow your dream. You know, like the cheesiest thing you could think of. But it's that's just how I am and who I am. And, you know, that some of my kids will say, just coach Pete Weiland. <laughs> If
0: there's a better show on TV ever, (laughs) let me me go ahead and say this ever a better show on TV ever. I want to hear about it. Ted Lasso greatest show ever hands
2: down. It's, uh, I was reading an article about people complaining about it and the, and the person that was writing it said, everyone that complains about it needs to just never speak to me again. Like people are complaining that it's too positive, <laughs> which it is. It's very positive, but it's like, it's like kind of what everyone needs. Like, I don't know. It's, it, and I found it by accident. Cause I don't, it, it just showed up on my TV. Uh, my daughter, I guess has Apple TV as part of the Amazon package prime plus delivered. And I started watching, I'm like, this is, first of all, I'm like, I could show this in class and they're going to be like, that's, that's you. They did a, they did a TV show about you because (laughs) that's exactly like I am. I already had ordered my, um, if you can be anything in the world, be a goldfish because a goldfish has a 10 second memory, which is a big Ted Lasso line. And, uh, Mm -hmm. I'm terrified of the therapist just like Ted Lasso is. Well, the
1: the goldfish line Rose, I don't know if you, you, I know you've been busy. Uh, John Rahm said that this week about who? Yep. Dustin Johnson? And that's why Dustin Johnson's the best because he's a goldfish. He has a 10 second memory. Uh, I love it. I love it.
0: It's man, what a great show. Blas, have you seen the show yet? I have not. Okay. Well, uh, uh, James, I know I know this about Chris <laughs> de Blasio. If I encourage him to watch it, he'll never watch it. So Chris, never. don't ever watch it. It's <laughs> terrible. Don't watch
1: it. I will not do anything tells me to do. It's long stands 20 years worth of friendship. That's what that is. Um,
2: <laughs> well, so it's one of those. Well, now I'm never going to watch it because you told yeah. me to watch it, so now it's there's just no chance that it's going to happen.
1: James, you talked about one thing I want to go back to. We've had other people talk about it, and it goes back to our third episode, which was last I don't know, April something in the height of the pandemic. We had Dan Aguirrell on from Creskill. And he talked about uh, shaking hands. His was a little different. His was if, if a guest or someone that's not part of the program ever comes into the gym, all the kids have to stop what they're doing and go over and shake their hands and introduce themselves, which I think is a great thing. And you sort of talked about that with that, that AAU program at Summit. And I think it's such a, it creates such a culture. You know, it's a big word we use in sports now, creating that culture. But, you know, I mean, obviously Dan had a good culture there going at Crestville, and He's just kept, you know, that, that tradition going there. With something like that, which
2: I thought was awesome. Yeah, no, that's that's a good one. When someone when someone comes in the gym, I'm unfortunate like unfortunate a place places some places where I've coached. You don't know who the heck's coming in, but
0: I know what you mean by like a a guest, someone
2: talking.
1: uh, Yeah, that's
2: that's, and and I don't know what why that reminded me, but another thing I found just really big that helps with family and this, this culture, like Chris said, is having kids, having your kids work with other kids like younger kids, like have them work basketball camps. Or we used to have the um, basketball players, I used to have them go out to, um, Fort Lee does a big thing around the holidays when they light light their Christmas tree. Uh, Their holiday tree, whatever the hell we're lighting. I don't know. (laughs) Um, And I used to have them go and they would just be serving hot chocolate with their Fort Lee shirts on. Because, yeah, we used to do things like that where we would would have them come to Applebee's and serve it. But that was a fundraiser. I, I feel like it's important to get out there and not be trying to make money on certain things. Like, just be out there. Like, this is our, our guys, you know, I would bring in the eighth grade team. Um, they'd sit, have them sit behind, you know, sit behind the bench, which isn't that really big of a deal in Fort Lee, New Jersey, but they thought it was. And they'd come in the locker room, uh, and it was just, they like, you forget how – kids see things like i was talking to de blasio at camp the other day we do an award ceremony okay the award ceremony is the kid the 40 kids sit in the center of the gym and we give out silly trophies not silly trophies they're they that's what i'm trying to get to i guess to these kids it's so much i'm listening to this girl explain the award ceremony and as if like an alien came down and didn't know what this award ceremony was. she's like yeah so they get all the kids. They bring them to the center of the court. All the parents are watching. There's like 20 parents. All the parents are watching. They say something about each kid. Not, not, not everyone gets a trophy. And that's big John's big thing, which I love about him. That we don't give everyone a trophy. Uh, we call it No Crying Friday. And, but this girl's explaining it and I'm laughing because I'm like, it's literally like cheesiest, <laughs> it's the cheesiest 20 minutes. If you don't fist bump all the coaches, everyone starts going, Oh, because you forgot to, co- but like, as an eight-year-old, it's like the, my four-year-old, I brought my four-year-old last uh, one of the weeks. And I told her, I'm like, Maverick, you're not going to be here every day. Like, you're not even like, I don't even think you tried to shoot the basketball all the whole week at all the whole week. You just ate Doritos and ran under the hurdles on the track. So you're not getting a trophy. Like you're not, I'm just telling you. And I watched her as every name was called. She'd close her eyes and mouth her name, Maverick, Maverick. Like they were going to call her. And, I, and she was fine. She didn't cry. She got a certificate that she wrote and she thought it was great. But like, it's these little things that we take advantage, or take for granted sometimes as coaches, I think, that we don't realize um, sticks with kids. Like some of the stuff that I remember from my coaches, they probably don't even, didn't, weren't even thinking twice when they, when they said it to me or did it to me or did whatever.
1: All right, you've been loquacious so far today, which is unbelievable. Um, <laughs> but, but we want you to tell us, James, the name of the podcast is The Greatest Games. And I know when we were doing some pre-show chat before Brian got it, you said you knew immediately. I, you know what? Games. But I had
2: it. But then I forgot we are talking about coaching. I thought it was about playing. Um, so um, I have to kind of retool. You want like
1: six games in your time coaching? So Yeah.
2: Um, I Honestly, the, the so the greatest game for me – was uh my one and lone state uh state tournament win um at harrison we were the 11th seed um i believe they were the six seed or however that lines up and it, there's not much of a story to it besides that we weren't supposed to win we had two wins the year before we came out we did nothing different that we normally would um we stopped their best player they what we got this is a state tournament game so we got there about an hour and a half early uh their best player didn't show up until there was about 15 minutes left on the warm-up clock and that was one of those where i did a cheesy coach thing where i got the whole team together and i pointed to the time and i said that kid that's what they think about you guys you know what i mean like that's how much respect they have we had to go find a janitor to open the closet so we could get the balls out that's how like early like it wasn't even that we were there that early that it was like I, it was like are we in the right gym and we came out and we won sixty six to thirty three um we just completely blitzed them. i mean and then we had to go to uh west essex uh West essex the next game or West side for the next game, which we knew we had i mean I hate to be a coach and say we had zero chance to win, but we had 0. .0001. When the other team makes their senior night during a second round state tournament game, you know you're in trouble. Um, they had like standouts of their of their guys, but it was probably the most buy-in I had as a head coach for that game. Um, and there was only one other game that would come close, and but it was so early in my so early in my career. Um, I played my alma mater. Uh, who was very good? I'm giving you a two for Tuesday. It looks like uh, on a Monday, on a Tuesday, and uh, I was trying not to talk about this one because it might make me emotional and Chris might make fun of me. Um, but maybe that's my greatest game. He played my alma mater. We I only had one one game as a head coach. That's far so far was my first year, and I'm as big as I am into West Virginia, um, my alma mater. I'm the opposite when it comes to I won't even name them because I feel like I'm disrespecting. I'll be being, being disrespectful. I'm the the opposite with that alma mater, just for, like, personal things. um, And they're they're predominantly very good, like, all all the time. And we weren't very good. And I had two kids just go bananas that that game. And we won. um, They missed the buzzer beater. We had it scouted perfectly. But the part of it that I loved the most, and it has kind of little to do with the game, is... Uh, this guy came for the the paper to do something about me, about like how I used um, scouting, and it was some c- corny headline like Coach Puliyate using screens off the court to get better, and like all of our scouting. And but they interviewed the kids, and they said, you know, what was the difference? You guys stink, and you went and beat this, uh, you know, pan. I didn't know I wasn't gonna name them, but I just did. You guys beat Ultapan who's always really. And they said we knew how much it meant to Coach Pugliotti. so we wanted to go get that win for him. And that just was like when I read, like I when I read that, I was like, "Like this is why I'm doing this this job."
0: Coach, I, I want to go back to that first one because I, I was that coach that uh, would would pull a team together and warm ups <laughs> and, and point to whatever it was in this case. You talking about their their best player walking in. Um, was that? Did you know that about your team that they could receive that? Because I feel like I've had some teams where I've said that and they're like, all right, whatever, get out of here, coach. That's just silly. We're just going back to warm
2: up today. But did you, did you know that? It's interesting because there was a certain player that was suspended that game. So I knew if that, that, that I knew would actually make our team better, addition by subtraction. And the guys that I had that night on our team were kind of, uh, and the guys that were, were, had like the team kind of changed over the season and they were all kind of underdog type kids. So I knew that that was the type of thing that they would take personally, you know, and especially pointing it out. And the type of player that this guy was, that was um, that was the other team's best player at the time. He was a very cocky type. So, like, you knew that, like, we had zero respect. Like we were getting zero respect for them. And it's something I always prided on with my teams like if we get blown out by 50 uh which i've gotten blown out by 50 especially on the au circuit you can tell when a team respects you even after a 50 point blowout like when they shake your hands and they're like man you we don't want to play you know i always tell them you don't want to you want to be you want to be the team nobody wants to play and that's what we were that night and i'm telling you when i i'm not going to say i i you know motivated them by doing that but you know that was my object and we came out and full court pressed them i think they only had they, – they didn't score for, like, the first four minutes of the game, which I, for them, their high-scoring team, um, it kind of – I I it, it was like we were supposed to just hand them the basketball and be like, you know, thanks for having us. Um, but, yeah, no, they they were the type that – and it's interesting to say that because you would think every team would take that personally, but I know what you mean by some teams don't, some players don't, and I think that, that comes with uh, games not having as much importance – as they should, and in certain, uh, I don't want to be one of those guys that just sits here and bashes AU because I loved coaching AU. I was just with the right program, um, you know. You
1: no, know, uh, the, the games aren't, because there's another game twenty minutes later. Yeah. Right, we're playing another game,
2: and there's a championship on every like. Oh, we're in the purple green East Coast. Uh, we're you know professional bracket champions. Like
1: mm-hmm.
2: we have to be off the court though because cheerleading is coming in next. Hurry up. <laughs>
1: uh the person who did the story from the paper was the darren cooper or was it yeah darren? it was
2: that. so he came in and he you know he like loves to paint a picture so it was like raspy coach Pugliotti after the game yeah. but he did a nice little, little thing and it was great i was more nervous it probably made me relax more as a coach because i was more nervous like what am i gonna do if we lose this game i have the paper coming in what am i gonna like yeah we're owing a, a, a jillion. Come on I mean, in. He's really working out. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what, like, what could you, like, who's going to, I don't know who's, but the fact that we were able to win that, it, it was, I think it was more perfect for him than <laughs> for me. But I still, as corny as it is, I still have the article, you know, la- laminated on my board at school, uh, that's, you know, for me to, to look at. And with the line, you know, highlighted, you know, it, it just stinks that that was my first season. Um, but you know it was just, it was it was good it was very great that well,
1: uh brian again darren cooper was uh on episode number 20
2: <laughs>
1: of the <Greatest laughs> yeah. so james yeah. you see how much we think about you you're like episode like 125 yeah but <laughs> i'm doing and
2: i'm do, I, like you guys should have bingo cards like everyone i named that was on an episode you could you could be our drinking game if you know you
1: <laughs> well you mentioned you mentioned your alma mater, old japan high school our last guest was brian dunn the head <laughs> guard, basketball coach and football coach at northern valley old japan high school
2: Brian Dunn was there when I was there. He is a great, great coach. Yes. He does Mm -hmm. a phenomenal job phenomenal job yeah i I could tell and yeah braz i don't know
0: if we've had a guest that actually has named more former guests of our show so this is uh maybe there is something in the works here i I still i still have more i
2: I have more in my back pocket i can drop i don't (laughs) i do not think you've ever had mike stone on right i would imagine that that would be a
1: 30 second interview
2: well and i he'd have to call me to ask me how to set this up to get on the that's where that's where i become made myself important is at the end of the season my teams are out but i'm i i'm doing uh the huddle requests for coach gaskin coach Ziemba you know i'm pooling all these uh you know this is back before everyone had to learn how to do all this stuff uh so that's where i kind of had got got uh got acclimated with uh the coaches around here <laughs>
1: Well, Brian, you're not going to get this reference, Brian. James might. You, you win the Dick Schaap Award for most names drop. <laughs> Dick Schaap was famous for that, as he was he would always say. that People would always accuse him of name dropping. But you know what? I'm, what's funny is,
2: we're, it's, and I was thinking about this before, and I kept making a joke, not a joke out of being on a podcast, but I kept saying to my wife, I said, you know, this might be it. You know, tomorrow I might not even have to go to work. I might be famous like the but but I uh, you, know, you say name like and and coach Z said this a couple weeks ago he's when he was having like a little tiff with another coach like dude w- we're in Bergen County On on a July night In a summer basketball game It's not that important Like in the grand scheme of things You know what I mean Like in the grand scheme of things We're just trying to have fun We're just trying to make Someone's life better By making ours miserable (laughs) Sometimes You know But And and I don't think Guys get enough credit Like that stick around Like a coach Z Who stuck around For 20 some odd odd years I mean I had coached For three years And uh, I got to the point Where And I'm not lying I was walking around With my letter of resignation In a folder like ready to hand it in um so it, 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 you know there's something to be said for the guys that can uh i was talking to chris he asked me my we we're talking about records and i said i went to chris i said have you ever done the math on like what it's going to take to get to 500 because i did at one point i was like i'm never going to be a 500 level coach like because i, I think my first my first three years my first year was three wins my oh, three wins my second year was two wins So I'm looking at five and 40 something at that point. Um, And then my, my third year is when we won a state tournament game and we had 12, 13 wins, but it it was just funny. Like you go into it thinking that you're the next coach K or you're the next, you know, whoever. And um, Billy Hahn. I have another name for you that i'm gonna drop multiple times is someone that i just think it's so neat that he's a college coach that i can text and he's gonna write me back and, and actually call me and he said when you stop trying to like advance your career and just start teaching and start coaching that's when you become a better coach and that was something that stuck with me like right when he said it like that's dude's got, he's got a point and it's it's what happened kind of with him too and it's when we like try to just advance ourselves or like oh i'm gonna be you know when Twenty years ago, I would when I was 17, I was like, well, I'm not gonna be in the NBA, but I'll coach there. That's the easy route. And you know, it's not. And and now with kids and stuff, it's completely did me mean, like me having my own kids has completely kind of changed the way that I, you know, see everything and, and how really like, am I really gonna get that upset about a game in Beckton on Tuesday night? At 7:45, like, am I really gonna let? And I think that's what happens. Some coaches just let it eat them up too much, and it's it's like what I keep hearing about Urban Meyer. Everyone wants to know how he's going to handle losing, and I'm like, dude, like, I understand that he was like, and I've read, and I like Urban Meyer. read his books. type, but like, you're a coach. You're going to lose. Like, I don't understand that. And, and I'm all about mental stuff. That, but like, 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 you're an NFL coach making gajillion dollars you're going to, you're going to lose. Like I don't I, the, that part was of everyone talking about, like everyone's worried about what, what's going to happen when urban goes one in 15, he's going to cash his million dollar paycheck. And I don't know, like that's what he's going to do.
1: <laughs> well, Brian, this podcast always seems to produce and we were doing it early on and we got too busy with our lives, but I would one day like to go back and listen through all our episodes and hear that one, Gem that someone has, and you just related it from Billy Han that you know, once you stop trying to advance your career and just worry about teaching the game, yeah. that's when you become a, a great coach. I mean, that is so perfectly worded by, by Coach Han and and so true, I think. Don't you, Brian? If Brian, was yeah, talking.
0: it's it, yeah, no, <laughs> missed the mute button. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 so true, and uh, just to throw out some cliches the whole uh, grow where you're planted one day at a time type stuff that's that's all there is and and it is a cliche and it's also very true i listened to a podcast episode the other day and the guest was saying i hate it when cliches are true but they're true it's just are, are we all doing am i and i'll speak for myself am i doing the best job that i can today at Ridgeview high school to help serve those kids and whether or not I get the next job or get uh, somebody wants to pay me a million dollars to be their AB or whatever. It doesn't matter. Like, what am I doing to make, as you said earlier, James, to make somebody else's life, just a little bit better. Uh, There's something going on around on Twitter right now. Ernie Ernie Johnson spoke at uh, Alabama. That's what he just said. It's like, what am I going to do to make it help somebody's life just be a little bit better. And that's, that's, that's where the juice is for me. And that's what it sounds like for you guys as well.
1: Yeah. Um, I was just thinking about something, Brian, you were just talking about what am I doing today to do the best. I was actually a couple of hours ago, I was typing up my entire schedule for this year. My, you know, my game schedule and I'm looking at it. And there was one week where I had like, I'm at St. Mary's, I'm at Woodridge. And I think I'm, I'm at a, a showcase at Palisades park. I'm playing Hawthorne Christian. I've got like three games in four days but that's in January. Like, what am I worried about that for? Like that is so far off. There's a million, there was a great scene in uh, the movie Apollo 13 where Tom Hanks' character said, you know, you guys are talking about step 740. We're on step 20. Like l- let's complete step 20 right now before we get to, you know, number 740 or whatever.
0: Yeah. And it, it, it reminds me of a, it's a, a, a Henry David Thoreau quote that I, I may have mentioned it a couple of weeks ago when I thought about Milt Louder, who's the sports psychologist for Clemson football, and I've known for a long, long time, great guy. But Thoreau says, success usually comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it. So just like I hear that says, for me to stop looking for that trophy, that paycheck, that whatever, and just put my head down and, and, and be great today. Make, make somebody else's life better today. So, man, great stuff. Great, great stuff, guys!
1: Great stuff. Well, we're going to go ahead and, and wrap up this episode. Uh, we want to thank Coach. Uh, we want to thank Coach James <laughs> Pugliani for coming on with us and being our guest today. Thank you, Coach.
2: Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Sorry, that, I know that I when I talk, I go on like thirty thousand different highways. No, just, it's like, great. They, they, they derail. <laughs> Uh, you, you, so should, th- you should see ask how my students feel about it it's great they know <laughs> they know they can get me off track with like hey, oh, I uh. that
1: feature right yeah I love yeah <laughs>
2: yeah it'll be like oh wait let me let me pull up the episode of whatever show that you just that vaguely referenced we're gonna watch the whole thing right now let's go
1: <laughs> all right for my co-host brian rosefield i am chris de blasio and thanks for listening to this episode of the greatest games